0: Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels,
1: and you're listening to Disney Vault Talk. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm listening too.
0: From magical movies, all it takes is faith, and trust. Oh, and something I forgot.
2: To unforgettable adventures.
0: Well, once there was a princess an owl claw, that's what that's no life for a lovely lady always on the run from the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home i don't care how you kill the little beast but do it and do it now you can always count on something new from disney All the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Don't forget about your worries and your stuff.
2: Look! Have I got it? The magic feather! Now you can fly!
0: Ohana means family. Just a sec! Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs>
2: That's very funny. Cool. I'm taking you to some place pretty special.
0: Flower, oh, let the power You won't find him here! <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glossin and Teresa Delgado.
1: And hello and welcome to the most magical podcast in the Gulliver's nay 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 on the internet. This is Disney Vault Talk. It's our regular look at the animated films of Walt Disney Studios and among other studios that it became and changed its name to. The point is there's this list of animated films that we are going through and then once we're through with the animated films Who knows what then maybe pixar maybe we'll go back through the live action films with everything but watcher in the woods because i refuse to ever watch that movie again maybe um maybe we'll just start back over with snow white and just do second passes at the animated films that's something we haven't really discussed maybe maybe we'll do uh animated cartoon series like the duck tails and the tailspin and and the chippendales rescue rangers and and the dark winged duck. The point is this: it's going to be magical for a long time. And I don't know why I'm being so aggressive with everyone. I just want everyone to calm down and not panic, because this is Disney Vault Talk. We're talking Chicken Little today, and to help me do that is uh, the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome to the show, as always, the lovely, the talented, the powerful Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa
2: hello i was having a really hard time staying quiet while you just (laughs) sort of went on a tangent
1: sometimes i paint myself into a corner with my words i was
2: like where is he gonna go with this that's funny do we have
1: in um by the way in disney we don't in the disney watch section so i'm gonna go ahead and say it uh, DuckTales is making a return to Disney oh, XD oh, next year. Mm-hmm.
2: That's what I forgot. I knew I was forgetting something. Okay, I need to find... You go ahead. I'm going to find... Or maybe you should. Oh. There is a video mm-hmm. that the new cast did of them singing the DuckTales song. Really? Yes. Okay, I'll find the link while you talk about your excitement. About it.
1: Uh, I just... I mean, this is a show that... I guess it came on around the time I was around... Ten, eleven 11 years old. And I remember it came on at like four in the afternoons where I was at. And I just, I just loved it. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing I found it, Teresa here. Um, no. It's the weirdest thing <clears throat> that I would have really been into this because I'm not, you know, I mean, I was into Transformers and GI Joe and everything, but this just captured my imagination around that age for some reason. And I love to watch DuckTales. I just, it, I really enjoyed that show. So much so that, like, I felt like when they brought in, like, Gizmo Duck and all that stuff, and, like, they're kind of jumping the shark with this thing. But, um, later, you know, of course, that would spin out into Tailspin and Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. I guess Chippendale's Rescue Rangers came first, and then Tailspin.
0: Rescue Rangers.
1: Rangers! Um, but then also, uh, Darkwing Duck is one of my favorite disney afternoon cartoons ever because it was funny and they had such a cool cast of characters and uh yeah so I, I when this came about of course you know our facebook lit up my twitter lit up uh and people were letting us know have you seen this have you heard about this and i'll tell you what i haven't seen is the cast singing the original theme so i'm going to uh pull this up right here in um and, and see what we got
2: well let's tell people ten- one of the cast members is david tennant yes that's right the Tenth doctor
1: the, is he playing uh scrooge mcdutt yes. nice all right well here we go let's listen let's give us a listen the theme to duck
0: town uh, uh... uh, uh... <laughs> Is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, airplanes—it's a duck blur.
2: Might solve a mystery or rewrite history.
0: DuckTales, woo! Every day they're out there making DuckTales, woo! Tales of daring do. It's a danger, watch behind you. There's a stranger out to find you. What to do? Just grab onto some duck tails. Woo! Every day we're out there making duck tails. Woo! Tales of daring, do bad, and good luck tails. Woo! Not ponytails or cat tails. No duck tails. Woo!
1: So that was, that was the cast. I didn't realize what an all-star cast it was.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty it's pretty awesome. I'm so excited. It's funny. The other night on Monday, I was talking about DuckTales in the car with my friend, and she just busts out with the entire song, like <laughs> all the lyrics. And she's this person that you wouldn't expect to like certain kind of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this happens, and I'm just like,
1: ha-ha! Yeah, I was... That was some good stuff. And I, I don't know that as I was listening, I don't know that I know all the words to the Ducktail theme song. Like, I know bits and pieces. Like, I could start out with the life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Duckburg. Uh, it's like, I, is it race cars, lasers, airplanes? It's, it's a, a duck blur. Might solve a mystery. Or re-write, or rewrite history, history. Ducktails. Duck yeah, Ooh. Ooh. But when they get into the
2: tales of daring do and something, no, something, see, I think
1: it's first. It's Woo. <laughs> Every day they're out there making, making duck. duck Yeah, duck tales. I see. I just don't. Once you get into the, all the little stuff like that, it's that's one. There's a stranger out to find you. There's a stranger. stranger. But, wait, no, it's something. No. <laughs> look
2: behind you.
1: <laughs> so but yeah, so I noticed that wasn't in the Disney in the Disney Watch section, so I had to bring it up that
0: I knew I forgot something. I'm really
1: I'm really looking forward to it. Bobby Moynihan and um, Ben Schwartz and uh, the guy who played Abed on on Community and all um, oh, the cute little l- ukulele player la- lady from Scrubs, <laughs> which Zach Braff. So we you know there's a connection there. Um, yeah, but. Uh, the um but yeah David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck is huge.
2: I so. am so excited about that. Now someone in our chat is saying oh it's Maui Mark. He's saying that David Tennant was in the Clone Wars?
1: Yeah, he played remember the episodes with the children when they go to the younglings when they go to get their lightsaber crystals and build yeah. them? He plays the droid that helps them build lightsabers on that one ship. No
2: crap. Yeah.
1: For sure.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was David Tennant doing that.
2: My new phrase has been "crap bananas." I didn't mm, know
1: that. I'm not comfortable with that phrase <laughs> at all. That's not a comfortable phrase to to hear. <laughs> I don't
2: know where it came from. It's not comfortable to hear or say. It.
1: I I, I don't. It's not even comfortable to think about. I don't like that at all.
2: So Zach Braff. So mm-hmm. let's see. So he's in the movie we're going to talk about today. That's right. I was looking at him just to see what else he's been in been in. He was in a, it's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I didn't realize that. Interesting.
1: Yeah, he, um, but no, the, the little lady who's playing, uh, Webby Gale, I can't think of her name, but she, uh, I, like, the. I remember her most vividly, she was on Big Bang Theory as Raj's almost girlfriend at oh, one point. Oh, yeah. But back on the Scrubs, she played uh, the, the, the lawyer, the, the hospital lawyer that was always just kind of not... If you, did you ever watch Scrubs back in the day? No. No.
2: That was one of the few doctor shows I didn't
1: Teresa, watch. Teresa, I think you'd find it very amusing and funny. And you'd enjoy it. I don't know if it's on the Netflix or not. So. Maybe. Um But anyhow, she plays this, this lady who comes in with, and they go around and they sing... Uh, little ukulele songs about all the states of the of the United States. So,
2: Like the Animaniacs?
1: Kind of, yeah. The, you know what? Scrubs is really, honestly, a lot of times like a live-action Animaniacs with a little more sentimentality to it.
2: You know what? The song with the states from the Animaniacs is fantastic, but even more so is the countries of the world. Oh, yeah. That one's... United hilarious. States,
1: Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Peru. Republic Dominican, Cuban, Caribbean. Cuba,
2: Caribbean, England, El Salvador, too, Puerto Rico, <laughs> Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guyana, and something. And then,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I used to be able to do the the no they don't. I'm sorry, they don't do the pre. They don't do the United States like that. They make up little songs like "If you're going down to something that you know." And they no, just, they
2: have a states one. No,
1: no, no. But I'm saying like the one on Scrubs isn't like the United States one. United oh. States one is, um, the, the Animaniacs United States song is, oh, how does it go? It's the it Capitals.
2: The, yeah, it's the Capitals.
1: Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Columbus is the capital of Ohio. Hello, Ohio oh, there's yeah. Montgomery, Alabama, south of Helena, Montana, and then I don't know the rest. And da da and Boise, Idaho, Texas has Austin, then we go north. We
2: north to Massachusetts, Boston, and Albany, New York, Tallahassee, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee.
1: No, I don't think. I think Nashville, Tennessee is the is one of is the end of one of the lines.
2: Oh, dang it! Oh. You know what? The President's one's good too. Oh, one's
1: I don't know right. if I know the President's one.
2: Yeah, I had them all on my iPod back I, in the
1: day. I've got a. I got to find the CD because I need to put it back on my iTunes. But I had a I had one Animaniac CD that had that, and they did, and I love they did a song about Lake Titicaca. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lake Titicaca, oh, Lake Titicaca. It's between Bolivia and Peru. But anyhow, it just ends with them. Because we really like saying your name, Titicaca. And um, that show was just fantastic. Did you watch it, You anime should play now?
2: that. Yeah, I did. You should play that one song you really like right now. Because <laughs> I think it's catchy.
1: Which one is that?
2: That seagull song.
1: Oh, the Yoda seagull song? Seagulls stop it now! Have you watched that video?
2: No. Oh, I Teresa,
1: you've got to watch Bad Lip Reading. Seagulls stop it now! And it's them doing Empire with Yoda and Luke, and oh, so good. Here we go. Penny for your thoughts. I hate Brenda. That's not And a bad guy hit me in the shin, and I peed all in my pants. <laughs> A little music can't help. This one goes out to Shaz Bazaar. Rockin', rockin and Down to the beach, I'm strolling. But the seagulls poke in my head. Not fun. I said, Seagulls. Mm. Stop it now. <laughs> that beach Said gonna come Put me in the and they did and, and they did, they did. Me going like... <laughs> uh, Tracy you need to watch the video it is it is hilarious um this also made me think of something else as as I was watching this that we haven't really talked about by the way welcome to the longest opening of Disney Vault Talk ever <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> And now I've lost it. Uh, the seagulls stop it now. I don't know. I have to. You need to watch the video. As I think about what I was going to throw at you, it'll come back to me. I'm sure. So, um, well, Teresa,
2: I don't know. You were playing it the other day, for, uh, before you before you did gig out, mm-hmm. and I was like, what in the world? And then I was like. Oh how cool
1: that's funny <laughs> and i just started
2: singing that little you know and i was like this is why am i singing this stop it stop
1: it <laughs> yeah the um i'm trying to think of maybe it was something about the animaniacs something that popped in my head when i was when we pulled this up but i had a i did have a cd of the animaniacs it had the united states song on it, it had the titty song i can't remember where i was going with any of this so Instead of prolonging the agony, why don't we just uh get to our emails?
2: i sent you a link first?
1: I know, but you won't be able to hear it when I play it. yeah Cuz I'm on I'm having to do it two computers. You might, let's see. We'll see. We'll see if you can hear it. Everyone else will be able to hear it, but you shan't. I Pi-based guarantee you. Showdown. Wait, what is that? What is this crap? Challenge. Stop it. I don't need a pi- could you hear any of that? No. Exactly. It was a pie face ad that <laughs> came, came up. Oh, man. All right, I'm playing the song right now, Teresa.
0: Hi-ho, do you know the names of the U.S. residents who then became the president and got a view from the White House, Lou, of Pennsylvania Avenue. George Washington was the first you see he once... To-
1: they do William Tell overture. I don't think I ever saw that one. Very funny. But I love that show. I love the Animaniacs back in the day, and I know there's someone out there that does like the Animaniacs cast or something like that. <clears throat> I haven't listened to it, but I've heard of it.
2: That would be a fun listen.
1: This is well. It would be fun to do. It'd be fun. It'd be a fun watch through. To 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 go through each episode and and you know and when you get to that first appearance of Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky.
2: Pinky in the brain, Pinky in the brain. One is a genius; the other is insane.
1: Um, have you ever heard Marley, uh, Maurice Lamarche talk about where, where he came up with the brain's voice? No. He's doing Orson Welles, and uh, and he used to listen to. There's a there's a tape online or a audio online that was used to be a tape. Of um, Orson Welles reading for a, a frozen pea commercial, and um, and he just gets really frustrated with this frozen food people with the with the way they're directing him the way they expect him to read, and apparently he's getting incredibly angry but he just keeps the same tone of voice and so Maurice Lamars used to just go around listening to that, and he memorized it word for word and line for line and I mean and so. He's like, that's my vocal warm up now. Whenever we're getting ready, I'll just stand there in front of the microphone. He said, whenever there's any downtime, I'll be like, every summer and the peas grow and Mrs. But and so they actually they got so tired of him doing that between takes um, that they went ahead and wrote it for um, Pinky and the Brain to do and and like they did it almost word for word. Here he is.
0: We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. You really mean that? Uh, yeah, so in other words, I, I, I'd start... Half a oh, this
1: week. is, they've dubbed over the cartoon with the actual thing. But that was like, yeah, he's reading, we know of a field in July, and he just gets really frustrated. And so Maurice LaMarche would do that, and that's where he came up. He, the brain is basically Orson Welles. It's hilarious. <laughs> so anyhow... Uh, we need to get into some emails, Teresa. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. When you mail a letter, you can send it
0: anywhere, on foot, by truck, by aeroplane. The postman gets it there. So write a letter to a friend. Maybe she'll write you.
1: No matter what, you always know the mail must go through.
2: We need those letters.
1: General Lee, dear son, we're waiting for the Huns at the pass. It would mean a lot if you'd come and back us up. Oh, can you read this? There's no pictures. And then I'll put that flea in a
0: box.
2: And then I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll mail that box to myself. And when it arrives, I'll it with a-
1: All right, we've got a few emails we're going to get to on this episode. And I forget where we start. So, Lauren, we'll start with this one from Lauren. Lauren Keene. Has emailed us, Teresa. And she says, Dear Teresa and Steve, I found your podcast in one of Teresa's other podcasts, Fangirls Going Rogue. I finally caught up on all your episodes, and I have to say that this podcast is my favorite. Hands down. You've brought so much joy to my life. Fantastic. Sure. Uh, Some of my favorite episodes were Mulan and The Little Mermaid. Even though Mulan isn't one of my favorite movies, you two just made me laugh a lot during that episode. What do we do during that episode? <laughs> Who knows? I feel like we were very well behaved in that episode. Uh, Steve, your sister is hilarious. Yeah, she is. And I don't tell her when you folks write in about her because it just goes to her head. Uh, I immediately started following her on Twitter after I listened to a Little Mermaid episode. Now I'm caught up. I've been able to listen to a few of your most recent episodes live on Mixer. Oh, good. Cool. Disney has always had a special place in my heart. The first Disney movie I remember watching is... Cinderella, I must have been three years old. I grew up during the Renaissance period. Some of my favorite movies from that time, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Another favorite is The Emperor's New Groove. I was in junior high when that movie came out, and the humor in that movie cracked me up. I still love quoting lines from it. My husband and I went to Disney on our honeymoon, and three years later, we found out we were expecting our first baby. We announced it to our family at Magic Kingdom. We were there for a family vacation with the help of the awesome Disney World photographers, we completely surprised my family and caught it all on video. Thank you for being awesome, and thank you for bringing joy to my life. I love listening to you guys and look forward to your upcoming Vault Talk and Rebel Yell episodes. Sincerely, Lauren King. And she put a link to the YouTube video. She did.
2: I watched it. Did you cry? Oh my god, it was just so Disney perfect.
1: <laughs> Disney it was perfect. amazing.
2: It was just I was like, you, yeah, woo. Well,
1: thank you, Lauren. I did had I had seen your email and I shared with my I did I honestly shared with my sister. I'm like, so people think you're hilarious. She's like, that's because I am.
2: <laughs> your sister's great.
1: So, she's married now? What? Yeah, she got married back in uh October.
2: Yay! Happy getting married day. Yeah, we'll see. Eh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Eh, I give the guy Eh. a hard time. Eh.
2: Eh. Well, you're supposed to be your brother. Exactly. All right, our next email is from Amanda Asmit, or As She Goes by Princess Mandy.
1: Ooh. Ooh.
2: She says, hey, I'm currently enjoying your Beauty and the Beast podcast and was really hoping someone would do the math in the song Be Our Guest. There's a line that says, for 10 years we've been resting. So they were turned into household objects 10 years ago, and the Beast has to learn to love by his 21st birthday. So that makes him at the most 11 years old when the spell is cast, meaning this is a movie about a child being punished for not letting a stranger in when his parents weren't home. Sorry, I love this movie. But since I've come to that realization, I can't get it out of my head.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I remember thinking about that a while back. And I just had to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Mm
2: -hmm. Let it go.
1: Or maybe they just feel like it's been 10 years. Yeah, maybe
2: it's not literal. Mm
1: -hmm. Maybe it's only been about five. Yeah. And they just feel like it's 10 years. For 10 years we've been rusting, Needing so much more (laughs) than dusting.
2: Dusting. Eating, yeah. exercise, a, a chance to use our skills.
1: Yes, that's true. And also, not only that, but like you know, if they were ten years, it's that that it's been that long since they've they've served anyone. I guess since anyone's come to the house. So it might have been that the dude was a recluse, you know, for a few years. As a child, he was just a snotty little child, and never had friends over. And then he turned into the beast. Mm-hmm. Don't ruin Stretching. Beauty and the beast for me, Amanda. Reaching, mm-hmm. reaching, reaching.
2: I vote bo- it was not literal.
1: Mhm. Mhm. I'm going to take this one from Anthony real quick and then let cool. you take the last one from Melanie there. Our friend blessed cheesemaker Anthony Rice. And and I really didn't think about this. We should have touched base with him before we did the Home on the Range episode um because he is a he's he's a cheesemaker. And, and we, I just
2: thought that was a name. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize no. that it was a real thing
1: until no. he sent us the email. He's a dairy farmer, and uh, they make cheese. And he, I, I, I one time had a link. He would sent me a link to their uh, cheese site.
2: Oh, I want cheese!
1: Yeah, yeah, they, I like cheese. Well, they sell it. He sells the cheese which they make, which he makes blessedly. And um, and we should have got him for some actual bovine uh, facts. We could have had cow facts instead of fun bovine
2: facts. Bovine means cow.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, hi, Teresa. And Steve just thought I'd send a few thoughts in about today's show. He's referring to our Home on the Range show. First, I know it isn't a very popular film, but I enjoy the mashup of Western and talking animals. In my experience, cows are very intelligent creatures that should get at least one film to call their own. I especially appreciate that this film shows some bovine diversity. They actually have several different breeds of cattle, not just the usual black and white Holsteins. Uh, you're right. You got the Herefords and the polled Herefords. You got the Angus, the Black Angus. You got the Longhorns. Am I right, Teresa?
0: Woo! Hook 'em horns!
1: I'm <laughs> ready for it. You did everything I was hoping you would do. Just in. <laughs> Mrs. Cowell. Callum-
2: just for that, the stars at night are big and bright. Even in the
1: heart of Texas. Okay. <clears throat> Mrs. Callaway is a Holstein, but I would say that Grace is a Jersey, my personal favorite breed of cow, and Maggie is an Ayrshire or possibly a red and white Holstein. Anthony, I just want to say thank you so much for letting us know that the Jersey is your favorite breed of cow. That excites me to no end because I've never – Teresa, I've been podcasting now for, I I figured it up, eight years plus. A little over eight years. And never have I ever received an email wherein someone tells me, hey, by the way, my favorite breed of cow is this. And so this is a first, and I thank you for it, Anthony. Well, you
2: know, people have favorite breeds of things, especially animals they like. I mean, I like otters. Mm -hmm. My favorite breed of otter is the American River Otter. And my favorite breed of penguin is actually the Adelie penguin. Although I do quite like emperors, which often get confused with kings.
1: And let's be honest, they kind of do the same job. The interesting thing (laughs) about Slim mesmerizing the cows with his yodeling is that cows do respond to music. Just not quite so strongly. Some research shows that cows uh, shows that cows that listen to some research shows
2: show.
1: No research
2: should, be, should it should be show. No. Some should some research shows that
1: no, that's right. Yeah, you're right. I know. I, it's just it, hard to say. It's hard because you got another S word after the one connector. Uh, some research shows that cows that listen to music actually produce more milk. Cows that listen to music actually produce more milk that's amazing. Maybe I,
2: they like that song we've been listening to so much.
1: Which one would that be? The, the seagull <laughs> stop it now rocking <laughs> <laughs> rocking rockin uh I have to help with the cheese making shortly, so i don't know if I'll be able to tune into the live show or not and that's from uh Matthew Mark from back in November, so you know look you didn't. By now you've heard it, Anthony, blessed cheesemaker. Yourself, you've heard our our <clears> shows uh coming up. But thanks for that. I didn't know What kind of music do you think they let cows listen to to make them I mean, do you it can't be the Bad Lip Reading because that's just come out in the past month or so.
2: Maybe they like Mozart.
1: You think something they'd... smooth. Smooth
2: <laughs> think... jazz so they get smooth cheese,
1: get it? Mm little little kenny g (laughs) (laughs) you think they're playing kenny g yeah to the cows to get (laughs) to get them to to have some smooth milking situations going on i don't yeah it's like do you think different type of music would make different types of milk thus different types of cheese Mm
0: -hmm.
2: maybe maybe anthony should do an experiment with playing different types of music for different types of cows or it's, for the same type of cow you need to have one constant so maybe it's whatever cow makes milk cuz i don't mm-hmm. know what kind to do that and is i don't think all cows do cuz longhorns don't
1: Longhorns right? don't what?
2: make milk
1: Well aren't longhorns cheese. the ones with the horns actually bulls?
2: I think boys and girls have horns.
1: Longhorn girls have horns?
2: I think longhorn boys and girls do. Hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe Anthony know can write in some more about cows.
1: Well, what I... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please, Anthony. We're going to start a whole podcast about cows. Would you like to be on with us? Um, He... I wish I remembered his website. I remember wish I, w- I wish what their dairy was called. Because I would definitely promote it. And, Anthony, if you will email me... Because I know you're not live right now. But if you'll email me and let me know, then I'll start promoting your dairy. Because I know they ship out cheese and stuff. So... That'd and, be good. Yeah,
2: I like cheese with beef jerky.
1: Yeah, oh,
2: mm-hmm. it's like cheese and sausage. Mm-hmm. Do
1: you do you eat them at the same time? Like,
2: no, I mean you eat some cheese and then you eat some beef jerky and then the flavors mix around in your okay, mouth. Okay,
1: so you don't like put a cube of cheese on a piece of beef jerky? No,
2: that's silly. You put it on summer sausage, goofy. Gosh,
1: Aww. or
2: on a sandwich.
1: All right. Well, I mean, look, I don't eat the cheese and the jerky. We got one more email. Let's get to it.
2: All right. This one's from Melanie. She said, hey, guys, I just finished the podcast for 101 Dalmatians. Yes, I'm a bit behind. I noticed two things while listening to this one. Teresa, you didn't say watch out for my butt in the Disney watch portion of the show. Well, sometimes I try to not overdo the gag.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we appreciate it, Teresa.
2: Number two, also, Teresa, you were talking about dark rides at Disneyland and Disney World. I've never been to Disneyland because I live in North Carolina, but I love Disney World. You mentioned so many rides that Disneyland has that Disney World doesn't have. And as I speak, you flew out to Disneyland this morning. Do you have a favorite Disney location? I've never been super impressed with the pictures, that I've seen of the Sleeping Beauty's castle and really had no intention of ever going to the one in California, but now you make it seem like it might be worth it. I'm heading to Disney World in May of 2017 as a graduation gift for my college celebration. As I graduate with my degree in middle grades math, wow, Hmm. good luck. I I admire you so much
0: Hmm.
2: for the math and for the middle schoolers. So it makes me curious what others think too. Well, I love them both. I love Disney World and Disneyland both. Disney World's my home, so that's the one that's like the most special. But Disneyland's very special in its own way for a lot of things. A lot of things. Plus, it was the only one that Walt ever actually walked in. So that's kind of cool. Just curious also if you don't mind to give a special shout-out on the next episode to my fiancé, Eli. Ready? Ready to shout-out? I'm
1: ready. I'm ready. One,
2: two, three eli Please. oh eli okay is that
1: what we're doing <laughs> hi eli i didn't i mean you i didn't know we're shouting at eli or eli eli, <laughs> eli. eli. <laughs> that's my nephew's name is eli i wonder if eli is short for anything like my nephew is my nephew's name is short for elisha
2: well eli thank you so much because apparently he downloads and listens to our podcast while he's at work Woo! Go, Eli!
1: Now, H- now here's my question. Okay. Melanie says, along with several others, does that mean that he's listening along with several other people or he downloads several other podcasts and listens? Mm,
2: I think other podcasts. He doesn't just no. listen
1: to ours. Well, Eli, thank you so much for listening and spread the, uh, spread the word. You should spread listen with others. By the way, I did some digging. Bald-Headed Rod allowed me to... Bald-Headed Rod came through for me. Uh, CloverCreekCheese.com CloverCreekCheese.com Farm fresh flavor from the greener side of the fence uh, Family operated dairy in Williamsburg, Pennsylvania They produce Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture regulative, Regulated artisan raw milk cheeses And pasteurized raised raw milk beef And milk raw Look milk
2: at that milk big giant thing of
1: cheese <laughs> <laughs> look at the
2: cute kitty. So, uh, not a kitty. That's a cow.
1: <laughs> so if you want to, here's the thing. If you want to support one of the Goloverse, one of our fellow Goloverse listeners and, and members of the Goloverse, they, uh, they sell various and sundry cheeses and, um, it is artisan cheese. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to have a, it's going to have a price associated and, um, and you can look into it and find out how to purchase. So,
2: I like cheese. Yeah. Alrighty. It's that time.
1: Oh, is it time for Disney Watch? Yeah. Alright, let me get over here and click on that. Click on that sound cue. Here we go. Hey, watch
0: it, watch it, watch it.
1: Watch yourself. <laughs> Who goes there? Hey,
0: watch, it now. Now watch it, watch it, oh. watch it. Watch out, my boy.
1: Disney Watch.
2: Watch out for my butt.
1: There it is. All right.
2: There it is.
1: (laughs) 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 That was for you, Melanie.
2: It was. All right, so we're going to start off talking about some box office numbers because you guys know I love talking about this. I just can't say the numbers right. Mm -hmm. But with all that said, row one came out and did it ever. I was honestly not sure how it was going to do. I actually thought... It might not do that well. I was wrong. So wrong. It had a massive opening weekend of $155 million here in the United States alone. Globally, the film has earned $290.5 million. And it hasn't um, touched down in China or South Korea. I don't know if that means it's not going to or if it just hasn't yet.
1: What is this, Rogue One? Yes. Yeah, it'll it'll be able to. I, don't, I can't imagine it not being able to be in China. A lot of times, the only thing China will keep things from opening up was like the like what they did with Ghostbusters because it has like spiritual undertones and stuff. I can't imagine they wouldn't allow this.
2: Well, you know, in this article from Fortune.com they're talking about, you know, they always bring this fact up. Disney shelled out four billion dollars to buy Star Wars. blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Yes, they did, uh, and they're clearly clearly getting their money back. And Rogue One has, I think, the success of it has really probably told Disney, hey, spinoff films are okay. So the the sad thing, though, is that all the other movies that came out that weekend, they did not do very well. Um, I'm really interested in seeing Collateral Beauty, actually, and, which is the new Will Smith drama, but it only made $7 million and finished in fourth mm-hmm. place.
1: Well, it's more... I mean, it's more of an Oscar bait type film, isn't it? Totally. I mean, those those movies never... Those movies bank on being able to get the Oscar buzz after the new year.
2: Right. Well, and Moana was in second place. It picked up $11.7 million over the weekend, the opening weekend for Rogue One. And it pushed its stateside gross. Now, get this. Moana, which has been super successful... Mm -hmm. It only has done, in the United States, $161.9 million, which is just a little over what Rogue One did in its opening weekend. Hmm. Ouch.
1: That's Ouch. surprising because I've heard such good things about Moana. But it is
2: really it is really good, and it was doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. It's just something like Rogue One is going to just blow everybody else away.
1: Yeah. Well, Rogue One is a summer box office movie opening at Christmas time. Correct.
2: Now, I have another article here. It's from Forbes, Scott Mendelson, the person who writes all about Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. and he's a big entertainment writer. He his title of his article is Friday's Box Office. Disney Moana tops 150 million dollars. And I wanted to talk about Moana a little bit more because Moana has been holding steady until Rogue One came out. Right. But Moana was the number one film mm-hmm. for several weeks and yes. it's been it regardless of that Rogue One did more in its opening weekend than Moana's done in its entire run. That is not surprising and you can't really compare the two, honestly.
1: No, I I agree. Well, it's a a different animal and animated films, you know, they tend to stay strong and stay steady uh, when they come out um, unless they're just not good. The ones that are good, you know, and then if you have like your Pixar, Pixar has become an event when they release theirs, you know, um, but. Disney just kind of plugs along and they're okay with the slow and steady it seems like sometimes with these things because they understand that people are going to find these things and it's going to pay off in the long run especially if it's a good movie and I haven't seen it yet but from everything I hear it's a fantastic movie you told me it is
2: Mm -hmm. no it is it's so good you need to go and see it I've seen it two or three times now I think can't remember Mm -hmm. exactly Now, we need to talk a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about something about Rogue One. I heard on, it might have been the Star Wars report, I think it was Bruce Gibson that was saying that he thought that Rogue One was going to be more successful than, well, I don't know if he was saying more successful than The Force Force Awakens, but that people were still able to buy tickets for the force awakens over that first opening weekend. And he was hearing that everywhere was sold out for rogue one. And my initial thought was, well, number of theaters and number of screenings, Right. you know, that's right. the, that's the key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I decided to do a little bit of research and it doesn't necessarily back up my theory, but rogue one opened in, 4,157 theaters
0: mm-hmm.
2: doing an average of $37,300. Yeah. And The Force Awakens opened at 4,134 theaters, so less. Mhm. But it was doing an average of $59,982, yeah. which tells me that there were more screenings available so more show times Mm -hmm. than for rogue
1: one i can tell you this on thursday night uh when we went um it appeared to be pretty well sold out um at at the screening we were at then we went back friday at noon 30 and um to an imax screening and we had plenty of room. It wasn't. It wasn't quite sold out, if I recall correctly. Now, Southern Bay in the chat, you're going to have to check me out on this and let me know if I'm right. But it, I don't think it was sold out at all uh, Friday at the IMAX screening. And um, and and I just I don't know that this had the hype of Force Awakens. I know when Force Awakens was coming out, there were people who had never seen Star Wars that were like, I think I'm going to go see that. Just because the advertising was so intense for so long, and it was everywhere with rogue one the the rollout was a little less celebratory um you know it's like all right, we're here, and here's what's coming up now so i I don't think that I don't think it was ever going to make, and I don't think they ever expected it to make as much money as, as the force awakens in, um, however it is number two, uh, on an opening weekend in December behind the force awakens, you know, star Mm -hmm. Wars has the top two opening weekend slots in December ever. So, um, but I don't, I don't know that it will not, um, I don't know that it's going to surpass the box office numbers and it, and it wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't, I think that, I think that sometimes when you're in the Star Wars bubble, the way that some, some you know, when, when you're doing a strictly Star Wars podcast, you can kind of get in that Star Wars bubble and really get caught up in the hype of all the fans that are around you and think, oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing, and, you know, and financially is going to do great things and just kind of overestimate some things. But But I think if you just kind of look outside that bubble a little bit and find out what people are saying and what people are aware of, that, you know, mm-hmm. casual... Casual audience members weren't quite as into it, I think, as as us super fans.
2: For Rogue One. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know what? I I actually beg to differ on that. There have been some points you that we. You don't have we... to beg,
1: Tracy. You don't have to beg. I don't have to beg. You can just ask nicely.
2: Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. about Rogue One, and of course, we're bringing up all kinds of very small, nitpicky kind of things, and everybody's talking about the CGI and Tarkin and Leia and all this other stuff. You know, I talked to several people, made a point to talk to people after the different screenings that I've seen. I've seen it three times now, and... They loved the CGI, didn't even know it was CGI. Mm -hmm. Some people really thought that it was Carrie Fisher, that they had just done some, you know, makeup stuff or whatever. You know, people, the casual fans think that it works and mm-hmm. they think that they're so impressed by it like they love that moment where he yeah. turn, where Tarkin turns around and getting to see Tarkin have screen time and stuff they are loving that yeah yeah and I think we as super fans we see it so differently
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we're like well that's gonna bother people that's gonna bother people I don't think it does
1: no, I don't. It doesn't I, I? I can tell you, I've had similar conversations as well with not even, and I'm not. But what I'm talking about is, is the build up and the lead up to the film, is that you you find yourself in a bubble of Star Wars fandom if you're not careful, and you think, well, this is just going to be another Force Awakens, when I don't think that just casual movie goers, not casual Star Wars fans, but casual movie goers, um, are just kind of like, eh, okay, I might get to it, you know. They're not we might go on Christmas Day and we got nothing else going on after we've opened presents, that kind of thing, you know, um, because that's the kind of people I'm talking to. The casual Star Wars fans I bump into, uh, like I'm I'm going to go see it again tomorrow night with a fellow from my church that he texted me and he's like, hey, would you be willing to go see Rogue One again? Because I want to go see it again. I'm like, the answer is yes. I'm always willing to watch Rogue One again. <laughs> you know, and he's just kind of a casual Star Wars fan. Like me, grew up with it and everything. Um, and and he came away saying, I, I love this movie. Now, his daughter was the one who, when it's over, she sat there and like, this is so depressing. I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> She's just a dry little child. It's funny. It, it, it was, she is hilarious. But, um, but I don't think that the... Promotion machine that Disney's promotion machine rolled out this movie as largely as they did the Force Awakens, and I don't. And that's not me saying they did it wrong. That's me saying they did it the way that they felt like it was worth promoting. You know that I I think they really thought the only people that would get behind this thing were casual or or diehard Star Wars fans. There's an interesting article. I think it was at EW that Gareth Edwards originally when they were working on this and writing this that they everyone lived. At the spoiler mm-hmm. alert, that everyone lived at the end. And when they took it to the studio, the studio was like, well, this doesn't make sense for everyone to live. Kathleen Kenney was like, We this doesn't make sense. Can we, you know, because they're not in a new hope and they're not in the, the saga further down the road. And um and he told him, you know, that his that his idea was originally that he wanted to die, but he didn't think the studio would go for that. And they never even shot them all living. Like that's, you know, and that's to me very impressive that Disney did this kind of as if to say, you know, the studio was like, yeah, they can't live. You know, this has to end this way and still figure out a way to end with hope. And... I'm just I I'm impressed with the studio I'm impressed with Lucasfilm and Disney that they took that kind of risk and I think that's to me that's the that is the success of Rogue One is is there were things that pushed the medium the technical side of filmmaking forward and there were things they took risks in the storytelling that um that I don't think the Force Awakens told and that's why it felt more like a George Lucas Star Wars to me than um than even the Force Awakens did. But I think that Disney thought, well, these undertones and stuff are going to turn our casual audiences off, when really casual audiences have gone, and like you said, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And the little nitpicky things that bother us, they didn't have a problem with, because they didn't know to be looking for them.
2: Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is that if this had been done any differently, it wouldn't have been so dark and heavy, and it wouldn't have been what I'm calling gray Star Wars, Mm -hmm. which honestly we needed a gray star wars movie Mm -hmm. we needed one that wasn't all light all dark you know or wasn't in the extremes that was in the middle of what really actually happens in war and in when in conflict and the with everybody spoiler alert spoiler alert dying um it It hit home of what the reality really is, and I know that Carissa in the group or in the chat was talking about her eleven-year-old was really sad for days. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like I think that had that's that's the way it should have been. He should have been sad because that's the reality. Of mm-hmm. how this stuff happens. And the fact that he was able to see that and able to understand why it's sad and to be able to have those emotions helps our younger generation realize why war is not necessarily what should be the answer. Yeah, but I, and, you know what? I,
1: I also think that it opens up for a great discussion on sacrifices that are required for freedom. Mm-hmm. you know exactly and 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 uh well, then there it is, Carissa says it in the chat, mm-hmm. I think it really led to a great discussion about true sacrifice and redemption for those morally questionable characters exactly and I think that that that's one of the success see here's the thing and and I know we've got to talk chicken little, but since we've started star wars teresa you've 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 it's your fault um the the original star wars trilogy and and even the prequel trilogy were morality tales and it was george lucas's desire for young people to have a mythology they could call their own because when that original star wars came out it was in the time of a lot of cynicism and 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 there was there was nothing really to latch on to and um and so when you come away from those star wars movies you're talking about themes of good versus evil. You're talking about believing in yourself. You're talking about that hero's journey. You're talking about by the time you get to Return of the Jedi, you're talking about redemption. You're talking about the underdog being able to make something happen that, you know, because of the cause of freedom and that sort of thing. With the Force Awakens, we were talking about who's raised parents. You know, we were talking about how could Kylo Ren do this. And and I guess we were talking about some morality things. With Rogue One, we come away talking about you think those medals are called the Genoresso Medals of Honor? You know that kind of thing. We're talking about sacrifice, and we're talking about hope, and we're talking about bigger ideas than just Star Wars theories. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And and I think that, um, I, I think that is what really helps us resonate with a lot of people on a lot of levels. That they're okay with a sadder. I don't even think the ending's that sad because we know where it goes it's it's leading right into literally right into star wars you know which is a happy story it's just this is the road to get there is that sacrifices were made so that freedom could be bought and i think that's and I, i think it's a great conversation starter and i don't even know how gray it is i like that term gray star wars but I don't, and 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 I've said, I said on Geek Out Loud, I don't know how dark this movie is. It's definitely sad. It's heavy. I think heavy's a better word than dark. Yeah. You know, I think heavy's a better word than dark because it is heavy. There's some heavy themes and concepts.
2: Well, by gray, what I mean is that, like, these characters are caught in that middle ground. They're not purely good on the white side. They're not purely dark and mm-hmm. evil on the black side they're right in that middle gray area yeah. they've done good things they've done bad things and they've done what's been necessary yeah and so that's what i mean by gray but also okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, okay one more thing and then i'm pushing on
1: mm-hmm. well also m dunn in the chat says there's no arthritic birds in rogue one oh so i liked it God. better than tfa <laughs> i have to say pick
2: a better name
1: Stillpecker no mm. Mm-mm. 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 Mm-mm.
2: that's like crap bananas.
1: <laughs> i hate that name and i hate that bird that's yep. a crazy bird
2: all right well on variety we have an we have an article about disney becoming the first ever studio to hit seven billion dollars wow. at the global box office They've shattered industry records, setting a new benchmark for the annual box office revenues to become the first studio to hit $7 billion globally. That was taken directly from the article. In a year? Uh, Hang on. All it took was a Star Wars... Yes, in a year. All wow. it took was a Star Wars spinoff, a trio of animated smashes, and a pair of Marvel films. That list of blockbuster heavy hitters is a sign of just how formidable a competitor Disney has become. So earlier this year... Disney became the fastest studio to hit $2 billion domestically, $3 billion internationally, and $5 million globally. Disney owns its success to more than just a return to a galaxy far, far away. Three of the studio's films, Finding Dory, Captain America Civil War, and Zootopia, cracked $1 billion at the global box office, and Jungle Book came close, earning $966.6 million. It also scored with Moana and Doctor Strange. Not everything Disney produced was met with popular approval, including the BFG and Alice Through the Looking Glass. Both failed to spark much enthusiasm. Hmm. Which, Alice Through the Looking Glass, I get it. I get why, but it's actually really good. (laughs) So, this is just incredible that they have pulled this off. I like this one quote that he has. He says, under Disney chief Bob Iger's leadership, the company has grown acquisitive, the company has shelled out more than fifteen billion dollars to buy Marvel, Pixar, and Lucasfilm. We're gonna talk about Pixar in a minute. That spending is widely considered to have been worth it. It is it's granted Disney it's granted Disney the rights to iconic characters such as Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Buzz Lightyear, Cabs in America, Iron Man and The Incredibles. Well, I appreciate yes.
1: the the author of this article, including the Incredibles, Brent Lang, including the Incredibles huh? in under iconic characters, because I really have a feeling that when Incredibles 2 comes out, that they're going, that family is going to be firmly cemented into superherodom for the rest of time. I love the first one.
2: All right, so, sorry, something started playing and I don't know what it is, okay. so I'm just going to power through so rogue 1 could actually be disney's fourth billion dollar film of 2016 that is bonkers mhm bonkers i just think that's a really cool
1: cool thing do you so. remember the show bonkers yes bonkers yeah totally nuts i think that was a disney cartoon wasn't it
2: i don't
0: know
1: i think it was
2: not sure let's
1: well let's move on in 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 disney watch and i will i will look that up
2: well, we had, I forget where it was. It was either a comment, it was on Twitter, it was an email or something saying that the Netflix-Disney deal, like, what the heck is going on with it because, you know, they haven't added anything or whatever. Well, the Netflix-Disney deal was not necessarily going to make every Disney movie available out of the vault. That is not what the deal was We speculated that we just played around with that idea in the show it was never something that was actually going to happen so if we led someone to thinking that that was what was going to happen it was not and i i responded to wherever it was that the comment came from that that's not necessarily what we what was going to happen however as of december 21st Uh, we have some pretty awesome stuff that Netflix is doing. Mm -hmm. So the deal makes Netflix the exclusive U.S. pay TV home for the latest films from Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and Pixar. That does not necessarily mean they're going to put them on there. It just means that they are the exclusive home for it. The deal does come with one stipulation. Netflix rights in the United States only apply to releases from the studio beginning in 2016. Hmm. This means it's primarily newer Disney films that are available to stream on Netflix, such as the following. So if you have Netflix, you can get Zootopia, which I freaked out about when I saw that it was on there.
1: I just watched it the other week.
2: And then Jungle Book, when it came on there, I was like, yeah! I've watched it a couple times. Captain America Civil War.
1: Now, is that Find- on there right now? or?
2: It should be as of now, hmm. I believe. Because, let's see, Finding Dory will be coming, Doctor Strange. So, all of these movies that have come out... Well, Zootopia and Jungle Book are on there now. But we can expect Captain America Civil War, Finding Dory, Doctor Strange, and probably Rogue One mm-hmm. to hit... Netflix as well as Moana when it's done in the theaters, when Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Beauty and the Beast. So the list goes on and on of all the things that are coming out that will be probably on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So no it's not necessarily all the old things, but it's everything from 2016 forward. So that's kind of exciting though. Yes. Especially if like you don't make it out to see Moana.
1: Well, and that's the thing like I like I said I just watched Zootopia the other day and really enjoyed it um and i noticed today this morning when i was finishing up chicken little that jungle book is available on there and a lot of the ones that like there were some of the newer you know the the late 90s early 2000 movies that i had to rent from itunes that have popped up again on netflix that are back so they're doing i mean like look I'm not we did speculate a lot about what it meant that Disney had this deal with Netflix but I don't see any reason why um that it can't be expanded to some of their past titles and everything and it may it very well be it
2: probably can but as of right now hmm
1: may very well be by the way Teresa uh this this old this old little ditty here once
2: upon a time in Toontown, there was that had it all
0: fortune and fame top of the game up until it hit the wall. Now we makes a living downtown. Walking on a brand new beat. Slipping through the new day. Tripping on a new way. Taking down a one-way street. Beep, beep, beep. Lose that cop. Cracking up right. Stop the clock. Hope he gets here on time. Let's go bunker. Yeah. Bonkers. 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 Wherever you wherever
1: you wherever you wherever you are. Bonkers. It is a Disney cartoon from back That's in the day. That's funny. And uh and and at one point in that intro, the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland makes an appearance.
2: Sounds about right.
1: Yep. So It's Bonkers. All right, we're ready to get into this uh in into this into this movie we've been going for a bit so let's get into it
0: The sky was falling. Would you tell anyone? Would you be scared? Maybe even a little. Chicken? Ow. On November 4th. A piece of the sky? Not again! The sky is falling! Something really big. ...is going down. Ah! 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 What's that noise? Sorry. Nervous Eater. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Come on, Dad. We've got a planet to save.
2: Rock me a little.
0: hippie we okay. ah! Chicken Little.
1: Look, Mama, there's the crazy chicken. Yes, it is crazy little chicken. You're so smart. We don't make eye contact. Bye-bye. Abby
0: Mallard, a.k.a. Ugly Duckling. Yeah! By the way, I'd like to say I've always found you extremely attractive. Fish out of water. Fish, are you okay? <laughs> don't don't tap the glass. They hate it when you do that. Runt of the litter. I get out of the pressure. Where, where's your bag? Where, where's <laughs> you back? Where's your back? Morcupine slow. porcupine. <laughs> Yo, Buck Cluck. Son, there's something I want you to know. What then? In about three seconds, I'm going to scream like a little girl. Turkey Lurkey. Hurry! Go. Oh, look, a penny, guys! Oh, right. Ah! This November. some heroes are born great others have greatness dropped upon them Disney's Chicken Little well at least we can sell the video to chickens gone wild
1: alien invasions and animal people what more do you need that's the story in an acorn shell Chicken Little gets bonked on the head by what he figures is a piece of the sky, so what he does is what Chicken Little does. The sky is falling, etc. The townsfolk think it's just an acorn because they're in the acorn capital of the universe, you see. Well, it was aliens. Chicken Little is embarrassed, so he comes home, so he hits a home run and then aliens attack and he and his dad settle their issues and Joan Cusack and a karaoke pig and a clueless fish out of water. This is Chicken Little. Oh, and don't forget Patrick Stewart. Now... Here's Teresa with some history.
0: I'm sure you know everything there is to know about the castle. Oh, well, actually, I, uh, yes, I do. As you can see, the the facade was stripped away to reveal... A
2: Alrighty. New... Well, this is Disney's 46th... 46th?
1: You got it. You got it. Way to go. Congratulations. Animated
2: Disney film. (laughs) Chicken Little was actually animated in house at Walt Disney Feature Animation's main headquarters in Burbank, California. And it was released by Walt Disney Pictures on November fourth, two thousand five, in Disney Digital 3D. It was the first film to ever be released in that format. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It was Disney's first ever fully computer animated feature film. And as Pixar's films were distributed by Disney, they were not produced by Disney at the time. And this is why we're going to talk a little bit about Pixar today.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. it's about to get interesting. Chicken Little was Disney's second adaptation of the Chicken Little fable. The first was a propaganda war cartoon that was done during World War Two. Oh,
1: wow. Have you watched that?
2: mm i don't know i i Me either. heard about it but i hadn't seen it the film is also the last disney animated film made before john Lasseter would be named chief creative officer of disney animation that is important folks very important
1: do we see the change after this not, quite. Not
2: directly after this because keep in mind they already have stuff in production. Right,
1: right, right. But
2: I think it's important because he makes some decisions regarding sequels
0: mm-hmm.
2: that is sort of important. All right, so this was the last Disney film produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation before the studio would be renamed Walt Disney Animation Studios. Hmm. So if you pay attention to the beginning of Disney films, you'll see the little changes in the names. And that was kind of an important one. There was a period of time that they were going to get rid of the Walt part and just call it Disney Animation Studios. I am so glad they didn't do that. I'm like, seriously? It's his company. Anyway. In its opening weekend, Chicken Little debuted at number one, being the first Disney animated film to do so since Dinosaur, wow. taking $40 million and tying with The Lion King as the largest opener for a Disney animated film.
1: But now, do we attribute? yeah, we
2: haven't... That's not accounting for inflation.
1: Well, but not only that, but are we all... But you also have to account for the high price of a 3D release.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, there's also ticket prices in there and everything. It also managed to claim the number one spot again in its second week of release, earning $31.7 million. And it beat out the sci-fi film by Sony called Zathura, which I still have never seen.
1: Is that the Jumanji in space movie?
2: I think so. I think. The film would gross 135.3 million dollars in north america and 179 million dollars in other countries for a worldwide total of 314.4 million dollars it's not bad
1: Mm -mm. i'm looking to see what else was released in november around that time um uh, mm, okay yeah it's no wonder uh, just looking yeah it it makes sense that it opened at number one on its opening weekend. Um, the following week was, uh, again, yeah, other than Zathura, it, it really had no competition. I mean, this was a good time for this thing to open up there in November. Cause,
2: what came out?
1: Uh, you're looking at stuff like uh, a movie called Christmas in the Clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, National Lampoon's Adam and Eve, which is, I guess, a straight-to-video because it has no... Uh, thing there. Walmart, the high cost of low price, a documentary. Okay. Uh, so and then the following week, um with Zathura was uh Pride and Prejudice. Oh. The Comedians of Comedy, um anything else? Derailed, whatever that was. And yeah, there there wouldn't be really anything big until Harry po- Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire two weeks later. Wow. Uh, and walk the line as well was was two weeks open two weeks after Chicken Little that that year.
2: That was a good time to have it come mm-hmm. out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So September two thousand one, director Mark Dindal developed the idea for Trick and Little with its title character envisioned as an overreacting, doom and gloomy female chicken <laughs> that w- that went to summer camp to build confidence so she wouldn't overreact as well as repair her relationship with her dad. And at the summer camp, she would uncover a nefarious plot that her camp counselor, who was supposed to be voiced by Penn Gillette, was planning against her hometown. So that was the original hmm. story. Dindle would later pitch his idea to Mike- Michael Eisner, who suggested it would be better to change Chicken Little into a male because, as Dindle would recall, if you're a boy and you're short, you get picked on. Hmm. Michael Eisner had so much
1: insight I mean but also I mean it, look if you're a boy and you're fat, you get picked on if you're a girl and you're short, you get picked on if you're thank you, you know, if you're, i it's I, like
2: i can't
1: <laughs> i don't understand that is look i look, let's not get into the, let's not get way into all this stuff, but I just that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in the, well you know if you're a boy and you're short, you get picked on well so number it's one to a boy number one it's a chicken number two anyone who's who's especially short kind of gets you know even if it's just friendly gets a little picked on you know everyone's always wanting to pick them up by their elbows and see if they can pick you know what i'm saying like you know you were short
2: i still am short
1: you know know how it was teresa you grew up short or didn't grow up whatever the case may be (laughs) whichever however you want to word that hey
2: quit picking on me just because i'm a girl oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) You can't pick on me. Michael Eisner said so. I'm not oh, a short boy.
1: Sorry. Sorry. That's, mmm. You, and you got me on a technicality. Technicality, no down boo over.
2: All right. Well, in January 2003, when David Stanton became Disney's new president of Walt Disney Feature Animation, he decided that the story needed a different approach and told the director the script had to be revised. And during the next three months, it was rewritten into the story we know it today, which is a tale of a young boy trying to save his town from space aliens. Hmm. They did that in three months. That's pretty impressive. It's like Michael Giacchino rewriting the score to Rogue One in a month.
1: Uh oh, Teresa, I'm in trouble. Uh oh. I just got a text from Mama Lo telling me no bullying.
2: Uh. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, Dindal actually admitted that it took them about two and a half years to pretty much get back to where they started. But in the course of that, they think the story actually got stronger and more emotional and funnier. And I would agree that it got more emotional and a stronger story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll give them the funnier, it
1: more maybe yeah. cheesier. Um, yeah. Che- it This is a cheese movie. Yeah, you can. Here's the thing. It this was. was uh, this was a result. The humor in this movie was a result of, um, other things that had. Come out and been popular and gotten laughs, and, and I this felt like they were trying to get the same laughs as uh, you know the Shrek movies or um, the other stuff that came. You know the 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 winks to the audience of like we know about Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and and <laughs> so um, and there were some moments to me that were like, oh, that's cool, that's cute, you know. But never anything that was just super funny. You know, there there weren't many moments where I laughed out loud.
2: This is like putting Walrus Face and Dr. Evazon in Rogue One.
1: Exactly. And his name's Walrus Man. Uh, Walrus Face. <laughs> no, it's Walrus Man. I call him Walrus Face. Well, Kenner called him Walrus Man. Um, Steel Packer. Don't make... Mm, Tiki Room Reject. Um, <laughs> Tiki Room Reject. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, there, there were little moments like that, and and a couple of cameos worked. Like I think, I think I just really got excited when Patrick Warburton showed up.
2: That was the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, maybe not. I like Kirby, and I like him being like you know, blah 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 blah. Look, let me turn your head and look right at blah blah blah.
1: Are they talking you know, about little. The little... I can't
2: remember what, his voice, what he said.
1: The little baby alien?
2: Yeah, the baby alien. <laughs> Any fist bumps, chicken little? That was funny. <laughs> anyway, all right, so to visualize the story, Disney selected 50% of its new CGI animation team from its 2D animation staff, and they placed them through a rigorous 18 month training program, which included an introductory to Aliases Maya, which would then serve as the main 3D animation software they would use on the project and on some future projects. And there's a whole thing. I was reading all about the animation of this, but I didn't want to go super in-depth on the animation, but I did pull a few things. For the characters' designs and animation style, they sought to capture the roundness Mm -hmm. that was seen in the Disney animated movies of the 40s and 50s. Yeah. By which the character's fluidity of motion was actually inspired from the goofy cartoon, How to Play Baseball.
1: That's what I'm talking about. That was a good one, by the way.
2: Yep. Now, the film was originally scheduled for release on July 1st, 2005. But on December 7th, 2004, its release date was actually pushed back to November 4th of 2005. This was the original release date for Cars. Hmm. The release date changed was made the day before DreamWorks actually changed the release date of Shrek the third from November two thousand six to to May of two thousand seven. So Cars was later released on June 9th of two thousand six. So there was all of this fluctuation with the animated movies and the different, you know, companies and stuff a trying not years. to release yeah, on a- the well, a few
1: years later, you'd have this same kind of stuff go down between Captain America: Civil War, and Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice.
0: Hmm.
1: If you remember, they were slated to come out on the exact same weekend, and Disney was just like, "Yeah, we're still going to come out on that weekend after." And then it was Dawn of Justice that moved. Like they're like, "Yeah, we're going to back it up a month. We're gonna, we're gonna eh, we'll we'll back it up to March or April. Yeah, that'll be fine. We don't have to come out when Captain America comes out." But it's all, you know, in an effort to try to have as much of the box office, animated box office to yourself as possible when these things start to bounce around like that. And um, <clears throat> and it worked out good, it sounds like, financially for Chicken Little.
2: Yeah, I think it did. All right, so at the time of the release of Chicken Little, the co-production deal between Disney and Pixar was set to expire with the release of Cars. I remember that
1: mm-hmm. Me very too.
2: vividly. Me too. And the end result of the negotiations, which were very not, not good. Mm-hmm. Um, they used the word contentious on the website I got the information from, but... It was, it was not not a good time between Disney and Pixar. It was viewed to depend heavily on how Chicken Little would perform at the box office. So if successful, the the film would give Disney the leverage it needed in its negotiations for a new contract to mm-hmm. distribute Pixar films. A failure would have allowed Pixar to argue that CGI could not produce CGI films.
1: You mean Disney could not produce CGI yeah. films? Yeah, what did I say? CGI could not produce CGI. Oh
2: yeah, that our Pixar would be able to argue that Disney can't produce CGI films. Mm -hmm. So we know how that all ended up. Chicken Little did well.
0: Wow. Disney
2: went into these negotiations saying, "No, we can't. We don't have to have you." And then they ended up just buying them instead. Wow. Burn.
1: Like what's amazing? Ah. You know, I look. What's amazing to me is of all of the CG style movies to rest your hopes on this is not the one that i would have thought would have been the one you know what i'm saying like it's it really comes down to timing for this movie i think as to why it had any success at the box office you know we just looked there wasn't anything that really opened around it to give it much competition until 2 weeks later when, uh, when Harry Potter and and would come out and, uh I mean like this is just serendipitous for Disney to be able to have that type of leverage power because if you, if you bump if you put this back in its original slot, if you put this back in the summer, it gets creamed. I really believe it gets creamed.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This is just. Uh, I always wondered why what happened like where did how did they suddenly decide to buy pixar why did it at first in 2007 or so i was like well i guess their deal didn't end or whatever i didn't really know what was going on mm-hmm. i never knew that it all hinged on chicken little
1: no me and that's what i'm saying that's mind-blowing but now that was just to renegotiate the the distribution did they buy it at that point or did they
2: that i'm not sure i think i would need to look that up more okay. but you know i don't know if maybe they just renegotiated at this point and then they bought them later um i guess we would need to find out when that pixar acquisition yeah. happened
1: get this january 25th of 2006 on my birthday happy birthday to me
2: so it did they instead of just renegotiating they said you know what We can do it without you if you want to stay in business because we're going to run you out of business. We're just going to buy you.
1: Wow. Jeez. Well, this was reported. I'm sorry. This was reported on January 25th of 2006. This is from CNNMoney.com or Money.CNN.com. Mickey Mouse and Nemo are now corporate cousins. Walt Disney has announced that it is buying Pixar, the animated studio led by Apple head Steve Jobs, in a deal worth $7.4 billion. Speculation about a deal being imminent raged on Wall Street for the past few weeks. Disney has released all of Pixar's films so far, but the company's current distribution deal was set to expire following the release of this summer's Cars. The merger brings together Disney's historic franchise of animated characters such as Mickey, Minnie Mouse, and Donald Duck with Pixar's stable of cartoon hits, including the two Toy Story films, Finding Nemo and The Incredibles. Um, Wow. Disney and Pixar... here's Here's a quote from Steve Jobs. Disney and Pixar can now collaborate... Without the barriers that come from two different companies with two different sets of shareholders, said Jobs in a statement, now everyone can focus on what is most important, creating innovative stories, characters, and films that delight millions of people around the world. Hmm. Well, he has
2: a point there about the shareholders. Yeah. Now, you know, because being, honestly, though, this was the best move. Being one team has been the best for... Sure,
1: for both. Well, here's of them. here's as part of the deal, Jobs became a board member of Disney, the company said, and John Lasseter, the highly respected creative director at Pixar, who had previously worked for Disney, will rejoin the House of Mouth, the House of Mouse as chief creative officer for the company's combined animated studios and will help oversee the design for new attractions at Disney theme parks. Mm-hmm. CEO Bob Iger said the addition of Pixar significantly enhances Disney animation which is a critical creative engine for driving growth across our businesses.
2: This was what has launched us into the Disney and
1: Pixar of today. Mm-hmm. This, Chicken Little. Isn't that amazing?
2: It's crazy.
1: Well, when All did right. Bob Iger become Disney CEO?
2: That is a good question. Don't, I don't know I, Once either. again, I'm
1: looking. Okay, so 2000. So this is a big move for him. Like This is like, Bob Iger is just impressive to me. <laughs> I know. So, continuing on, I'm sorry.
2: I don't want him to ever leave. Hmm. No, Bob Iger, don't do it. Don't leave.
1: No, sir, don't go. Stay no, here sir. where it's safe.
2: All right, so Chicken Little was first released on VHS and DVD on March 21st, 2006, and only a single disc edition. I don't know why they put VHS in there. We don't do VHS anymore. This was only DVD. The DVD contained the film accompanied with deleted scenes, three alternate openings, a making of featurette, an interactive game, a karaoke sing-along. Man, they had to put a lot of crap on this thing. Alternate the openings. Mo- you, what? By the, way,
1: by the way, you said alternate openings. Alternate? Mm-hmm.
2: Alternate?
1: You Yeah, but you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Oh. <laughs> three alternate openings. <laughs> <laughs>
2: three alternate openings. And I think the most important part, though, was the animation test footage of the female Chicken Little. Now Mm. that I want to see.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: The DVD sold over 2.7 billion, billion, million, don't get excited, 2.7 million DVD units during its first week. But still, still that's a lot. lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, $48 million in consumer spending. Overall, consumer spending on its initial home video release would gross $142.6 million. What? Yeah. Insane. What? Is that real life? I just can't believe it with this movie. What are we missing?
1: What are we missing about this movie?
2: I don't know. You know what? It was the time. Okay, 2006. Where was I? Uh, I was in college. There wasn't really much going on in 2006.
1: We were... uh, Well, I mean, yeah, I guess not. But still. Star Wars was over. Shh. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Well, what? Shh.
1: Don't talk about (laughs) it. I don't like to talk about it.
2: I mean, there was the Harry Potter stuff, but it wasn't... Man, it, they just didn't have a lot of competition. Is the problem?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. The film was released for the first time on Blu-ray on March 20th, 2007, and then on 3D Blu-ray in 2011. I think it's still available. I don't think it's in the vault.
1: I don't. I, I mean, I'm, I imagine since it's on I'm Netflix, pretty sure it's, it's not because it's on yeah. Netflix. So. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh we gotta get into some fun facts. Let's do it.
0: Fun facts Woo-hoo. say it proud and geek
2: out loud, it's fun facts. Do you think we can get David Tennant to sing that?
1: <laughs> I bet we could if he was around. If he knew us.
2: <laughs> All right. In April two thousand two, Variety reported that Sean Hayes was going to voice a character named the ugly duckling. But the character was then rewritten into a female role, now conceived as Abby Mallard. Um, Holly Hunter, Jamie Lee Curtis, Sarah, Jessica Parker, Jodie Foster, Gina Davis, and Madonna were all considered for the role.
1: Madonna?
2: But Joan Cusack is the one who won the role. Which, and, look,
1: quite frankly, did a fantastic job. She did. It fit, it fit did. the look and everything, yeah.
2: She sure did. Um, Holly Hunter was supposed to be the original female Chicken Little.
0: Oh, really? And
2: she actually did voice stuff for the character for about eight months, and then they scrapped it. That stinks.
1: Well, she still got paid.
2: Well, probably. Well, yeah. I guess she'd have to, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, they get paid, even though the work doesn't get out there. They just don't see any of that back end, that sweet, sweet back end.
2: All right, so... Mm. Gary Marshall who's in the film was asked to provide a voice for Kingdom of the Sun which was then redone into Emperor's New Groove if you remember
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um, the same director that did this movie did that one he removed Gary Marshall from the movie because he was too New Yorkish mm-hmm. so when he approached him to provide the voice for Buck Cluck Marshall claimed I, I said <clears throat> I don't do voices
1: you want a do that like me fine I said, I don't do voices. You want a chicken that talks like me? Fine. So they hired me and they didn't fire me. And it was like a closure on animation.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Now, along with its standard theatrical release, the film was the first Disney in-house release to be rendered in 3D. We said that earlier, Mm -hmm. but that, that was produced by ILM. Shut up.
1: Oh, my lanta, the, the, connections it only makes sense that lucasfilm ended up at disney by the way they've been so connected for so many years people have no idea
2: oh they've been connected for a long time yes now disney Toon studios originally planned to make a sequel to chicken little Tentatively titled Chicken Little 2, The Ugly Duckling Story. But soon after 2006, when John Lasseter became Walt Disney Animation Studios' new chief creative officer, he called for all sequels and future sequels that Disney tunes had planned to be canceled. Hmm. This was what I was talking about, along with the sequel to Meet the Robinsons and the Aristocats. Now and I that... knew about that potential Aristocats sequel. Yeah. I was pissed about that.
1: <laughs> how do you feel about it today? Are you okay with it?
2: Yes, because I think he did. I think that decision was an amazing decision Mm -hmm. because he said, no, we're going to do new Mm -hmm. and innovative things. We're not just going to sequel the crap out of everything. And I think that that was a really good move for him. Good job, John Laster. Way to go,
1: John Laster.
2: We all are loving your Hawaiian shirts and your chief creativeness.
1: Yes. Chief
2: Creativeness. (laughs) Now, Chicken Little had two video games, Chicken Little and Chicken Little Ace in action, which just, I'm like, why?
1: Once again, well, you never know what kids thought of it. Maybe we're out of touch.
2: Maybe. I'm out of touch. You're out of time. So let's see. There are, oh yeah, this is cool. There are 250,000 feathers on Chicken Little.
1: Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's
2: kinda like the hair count. But on you know Elsa. what
1: you know what they do today is they would do probably seven hundred and fifty thousand feathers.
2: Yeah. Now, did you did you see this part? That during the opening sequence when the water tower ball crushes three cars, their horns sound off the M O U S E portion of the Mickey Mouse Club theme song?
1: No, I did not catch that at all.
2: I did catch that That's actually, fun. which I thought it was funny.
1: That's fun. <laughs>
2: Now, this is the first movie in the Disney animated feature lineup to have a character voiced by Patrick Stewart, which it was is was awesome. number
1: one. Number one. Make it so.
2: Stewart had a pre- had previously tried out for characters in previous films, but he wasn't lucky enough to do it, mainly because of his commitment to Star Trek The Next Generation. Ugh. So, he actually auditioned for Francis and Oliver and Company. King Triton in The Little Mermaid, Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast, Jafar in Aladdin, Zazu in The Lion King, Ratcliffe in Pocahontas, Frollo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Zeus in Hercules, and Clayton
1: in Tarzan. Let's just go ahead and give him a roll. He's going to keep coming back if we don't. That's correct. i love to come back. Why am I doing Sean Connery instead of Hold on. I don't know. <clears throat> it was here, number one. It was We're here. It was here, number one. It was here, number one. Number one, if I told you Wolf's head looked like a fanny, would you join me in a laugh? Okay, yeah, I've got it now.
2: (laughs) All right, now Don Knotts. Mm -hmm. This was his last theatrically released film before his death. So, that was... And then there's one more hidden Mickey I wanted to point out. When Mm -hmm. the aliens are chasing Chicken Little and friends through the cornfield, they cut out a crop circle, part of which actually looks like the Mickey Mouse symbol.
1: Now, see, I didn't catch that because like, it just looked like a standard crop circle. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that I have to go back and look because that may be a stretch.
2: Maybe, but I wouldn't put it past them. They even have sure. like
1: some some Mickeys in there. Sure. So, Teresa, as we get into this thing, we haven't been super kind to this movie. No. Um, and
2: okay, okay, it's cute. It's not great.
1: It's fine. It's fine.
2: I like Kirby. He's my favorite character.
1: I like fish out of water.
2: He's hilarious now. He's funny. He
1: is the most clueless little guy in the whole thing. He's just he's just as happy as he can be to be abducted by aliens and running around and um, it 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 just the laugh. It seemed like they were trying too hard for laughs, is is what it came across to me. mm
0: -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: But you know, it's fine. The movie is fine.
2: It's not a bad movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's definitely a kiddie movie. Like, you can tell.
1: Uh, but see, I feel like they were trying to give something to the kids and the adults, and I think that's where, uh, where it kind of falls flat, is that the humor that's supposed to, you know be there to kind of catch everyone's little attention just doesn't it feels a little forced it's never vulgar you know like some of the stuff that said in shrek you know skirts that line yeah i being don't blue. like that but you know but then the, you've got your pixar humor where it's like oh i see what they're referencing there i know what's going on and this tried to do that and it just didn't quite it felt a little too forced at times um uh, it feels like but i did like the soundtrack the soundtrack's got some fun stuff on there
2: that was the best part of the whole movie, mm-hmm. although runt of the litter was pretty funny because of all of his singing well
1: yeah he he and ugly duckling they were into some uh <laughs> some karaoke which I dug and I like the dodgeball scene where it's like uh here do you know how to you, when she's showing him the best way to dodge mm-hmm. and and everybody dance now kicks in. <clears throat> Bam, 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 and so bam. he stands it, and you see him trying to dance. At one point, he moves his head, and it he gets smacked. And he so he moves his head back the other way, and they smack it there. Like his timing's just off. He and... was
2: so out. Yeah, I don't know why he was still in the game. <laughs> I guess they play
1: dodgeball differently with animals. But I also yeah. like the I like the whole uh, all the uncool kids over here, all the cool kids over there.
2: You know, and that was the thing. This movie. Like, I got a little uncomfortable because it really highlighted the whole bullying thing Mm -hmm. and people being really rude to other people. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, the adults were terrible. They were mean. Like, oh, my gosh. How mean can you be to this little tiny chicken? these animals aren't well, nice I've come, well, to, I've come to figure out the majority of the animals in Okie oaks are not nice
1: animals in their well to me they just seem more stupid a lot of them than, than not nice but in their defense you know it looked like this little kid was trying to start a panic you know by playing a joke of some sort and But so, he wasn't I, no we know that but for all intents and purposes, to them, you know, it looked like maybe he was.
2: Well, and his father's terrible. He didn't even stand up for his kid. He's like, oh, this is so embarrassing. It was just an acorn. He's just a silly chicken.
1: Well, I feel like, and yes, and I feel like you can definitely cast aspersions on the father because he, yeah, Ace, it's, it's that thing where... And by the way, not a Disney movie without a dead animal parent. And sure enough, yeah. you know, his mom's dead.
2: Why is it always the mother, Rogue One? Why? Why?
1: <laughs> well sometimes it's the father.
2: Sometimes it's both. You know what I said that sometimes about about um about Rogue One? I was like, Well, it's a Disney movie. They weren't gonna
1: live. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the same time though I mean Mufasa died. Mm. True. Zerabi was still alive. That's right.
0: Sarabi.
1: That's right. I I think it's whatever serves the story and here you had. And you know, this is where you get into the whole father son stuff and how, you know, one of the one of the greatest goals or one of the biggest goals that every son has is to make his father proud. And even if it's in a, a lot of times what you find out is even if it's an estranged relationship situation that there are so many, and there are grown men who, to this day, are working to try to get that. I'm proud of you, and I love you from Dad, and um, and and they tried to do that with this, and it just again, everything felt a little flat, a little forced to me as I was watching, and 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 I see what they were trying to do and what they were attempting to do, and there were some moments that were pretty funny, um, but they all came to me from fish out of water, and. Yeah. You know. know, can
2: we just talk about the names of some of these characters, well, please? Well, they were named if after. I can find them,
1: they were named after characters in the original story.
2: Yeah, but it's just what you know. I haven't read that story in so long. Foxy Loxy,
1: Turkey lurky
2: When he's saying all the names of the kids mm-hmm. at the school.
1: Well, I love when he gets to Porcupine.
2: He's like, really?
1: <laughs> Yo.
2: And then he's like, say these after me: in Mutton
1: something yeah Yeah. hello
2: yeah
1: um that was mr woolensworth that's patrick Patrick stewart Stewart. yeah Yeah. um i love that runt's full name is runt of the litter
2: morcubine porcupine
1: morcubine porcupine yeah um
2: that's what he was like really
1: (laughs) goosey lucy
2: goosey lucy foxy loxy fish out of water Mm mm-hmm Ugly duckling, or no Abby Mallard, and they're like ugly duckling.
1: Yeah, that, well Foxy Loxy was doing that. Ugly
2: duckling. she was.
1: Mean. She was mean. Amy Sedaris. Foxy,
2: Locky, Foxy Loxy Foxy was the bully bully.
1: Mm-hmm. But she got uh, she got she got scrambled in the end, and so she was nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was nice then. <laughs> I did. I
2: like the aliens. They're so cute.
1: Yeah, I like the design of the aliens. I like the way their little feet and arms moved around and and like the running was really fun to me the the animation was really good um it wasn't quite that pixar level of of 3d animation and it wasn't where they would get to with that style of animation but it was good it was um to me i like the uh i like the fact that they were trying to keep a classic Disney look with the 3d style animation because that's the challenge. Yeah. That's the challenge. I think for Disney in, in this era of 3d computer animation is to keep the traditional look of Disney, uh, Disney animation. And, um, you know, when they're doing stuff like this with your animals and everything, um, and And so I you know I appreciated what they were trying to do. I just think that the story fell a little flat to me and came off and and i you know when he's first, <laughs> when that piece of the ship comes in and it's got that camouflage technology and everything with it, I love that concept. I love that cool concept for for the ship that it automatically changes to whatever is behind it. So that it Yeah, you know. that
2: was kinda cool. I went freaking fish out of water.
1: And when he grabs it and he's like, Oh, there's a button and he just pushes it and he just takes off. I'm like, Alright, I like this kid. He's a cool kid.
2: I liked how he put it in front of Abby Mallard's face and then put it over his face. Then he did her bottom half mm-hmm. and he put it over his <laughs> bottom half and he's just cracking up.
1: <laughs> um, the, the baseball here's the thing, the whole baseball sequence seemed weird unnecessary yeah yeah
2: yeah i didn't i there's so much of this movie i feel like unnecessary here's the thing it took so long to get to the part with the cute little alien and mm-hmm. he was only in it for maybe 10 minutes no maybe
1: he was, in, uh, he was in it for more than that i mean the last act
2: well i was looking at the timestamps so as i was watching it on netflix mm-hmm. and like we had 20 minutes left or whatever and that's when he met the alien I'm talking about like screen time. The aliens were not in this thing for very long. No,
1: no, not at all.
2: And I was like, "Come on, yeah. what? You know, it's like it was so slow to ramp up, and then it finally did, and then it was like over."
1: Yeah, it it did take them a minute to get to that alien invasion situation, which I thought was the whole thrust of this movie. And and yeah, I I think it I think that's another thing is the pacing was a little a little bit slow and and we could have done with more um more hijinks through the through the whole alien invasion situation
2: i would have loved more kirby he was cute yeah
1: yeah um the uh and the romance between ugly duckling and chicken little awkward not needed Mm -mm. Mm -mm. not at all not at all did not Like... like it and it makes me uncomfortable (laughs)
2: <laughs> i didn't not know that was so not good and then run through the litter and foxy loxy also not needed
1: yeah whatever
2: is going on there like come on well, really
1: they're now karaoke buds
2: well we didn't need we did not need abby mallard and chicken little with whatever that was that was just not necessary so in you're any. not a,
1: you're not a fan of interspecies dating
2: Yes, I am, but not those two. Interspecies? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I have to answer yes to that because I'm Hispanic and Greg's white. So I
1: feel like... That's not... You can't be in a
2: corner. That's
1: not interspecies.
2: I know, but I can't say, like, a chicken can't date a duck if they want to. A
1: chicken can't date a duck if they want to. (laughs) They can be friends. Um...
2: But if they talk then they should be able to do what they like. Okay. Who am I to judge, other than the fact that I don't like Chicken Little and Abby Ballard together?
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean
2: I just don't. I'm sorry. Like I wish I felt differently. They were
1: sorry. With Zach Braff, they were definitely going with the with with kind of the the catch of the day. Oh my god.
2: (laughs) Catch of the day.
1: Yeah, well I mean as far as like (laughs) Duck. Yeah, as far as like the the vo- you know, the voice acting goes. Like he was, you're in the middle of the run of Scrubs. Scrubs is doing really well. Um, he's, you know, Zach Braff is because of that becoming a name that people recognize. Um, you know, in that way, they could put a supporting cast around him that you know people knew Gary Marshall as a director, not necessarily a voice actor or an actor uh of course Don Knotts if you can you know promote that Don Knotts is in a movie that may get some people but at this time in history maybe not you know but Zach Braff is I think the right guy at the right time and he didn't an, he did a fine job he did okay I I just that little character of Chicken Little I never quite got into because it's almost like he was too cool to be in the loser kids but I don't know. Like, it's that thing that they do in Hollywood sometimes where the loser kids are still cool. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And it's like, he, I didn't. I
2: think he was only the loser kid to those other mean animals. Like, he proved that he was cool to us, and his friends were way more cool to us. You know what? I wonder if our opinion on it is because at one point we were the loser kids.
1: (laughs) Well, speak for yourself. One,
2: I totally was. I'm
1: still the loser kid. What are you talking about?
2: I'm still a loser kid too. Hello. We're doing a podcast about Disney movies.
1: <laughs> oh, now come on.
2: Oh, we're sad. Disney
1: Disney rules the world. So they, tr- they do. Yeah. So we're just doing um we're just doing we're just we're just talking about the world world rulers. So I tell you what I did like though, uh, is the movie opens with one of my one of my more favorite groups, Bare Naked Ladies.
2: Oh yeah, you know, I knew you would catch that. Yes. The one little
1: slip. Oh, the one minute
2: one little slip.
1: The minute the dude started singing, I'm like, That's Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. And my only question was, does this come before or after uh the the one dude left that is kind of like their definitive sound guy that he his vocals gave them their distinct sound and he's not with them anymore and uh and they just don't sound as good anymore i'm just i'm just that's that's it i'm saying it i'm saying it but he's in there so i liked it i was i was glad and like i say, i like the soundtrack overall Mm -hmm. it's a fun little soundtrack you know because of the karaoke side of things and you know, the whole don't go breaking my heart at the end. To me, I always associate that song with Disney because the first time I ever heard that song was on a Disney special and Elton John sang it with Minnie Mouse. Oh. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I love all the songs in this. I'm actually looking at the soundtrack right now. Soundtrack right now. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the world as we know it. You yep. know what? I was when they started singing "Wannabe," I was like, "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> I was like, "Are they going to change the lyrics?" And they didn't.
2: <laughs> they didn't change anything at all.
1: Nope. No. Nope. When did when did when did Elton John and Minnie Mouse sing "Don't Go Breaking My Heart"?
2: Don't go breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my, break my. Don't go breaking your heart. It was in
1: the late eighties when they when they did it because it was for some Disney special on TV some anniversary special so I didn't know that mm-hmm.
2: did not know yeah. that shake your tail feather I like that song too
1: so. but I mean I don't I mean I don't want to completely dog this movie I think they did a lot uh, obviously this movie is pivotal and it's meaningful to Disney to get them to a place where, um, you know, where they own, they, where they now own Pixar, and uh, and and creatively they have, as we said, you know, you say he's he's a great chief creative officer. You know, John Laster being kind of the head of creation there is just is has been a stroke of genius for that company. And and it's what has propelled the company, I think, to where they're at now, 10, 11 years later, uh, from the release of this movie, that, you know, this movie kind of kicked it all off. And and the timing being everything, um, you know, really makes it happen. I, I don't dislike the movie. It's just one of those, it's fine. It's fine.
2: Well, as we speak about, well, I, okay, let me, hang on. So... I think it's an okay movie to watch. Mm-hmm. I think that it's not boring. I think that it has some funny parts. I think that it's not, but it's not great. I mean, it's not one of those that just stands out as something that you absolutely have to see. Although I go back to my thing, you need to see every Disney movie. Like right. the numbered ones, you need to see them at least sure, one time. sure. But it's not – this isn't going to be on anybody's super favorite list unless it was, like, the first Disney movie they ever saw or something, you know. But as more movies come out, you know, I'm sure it's going to move further down the list. But it's not a terrible movie. No. And as as we talked, though, I had to go through and I had to find – there was a day – there's been several days where they do lost characters. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, me and my friend, we went and met Chicken Little and Abby Mallard. And I'm getting ready to post this in our new Facebook group, Guardians of the Gulliver. So you can Shut go up. and see this awesome
1: picture. Nice. I was, I was listening to what is Stir It Up. I forgot this song, so I want to, to check it out while you're posting that. I don't remember that song in the movie. When was that song? I don't
2: from? either. That
1: was "Stir It Up," Chicken Little. I don't remember "Shake Your Tail Feather."
2: Oh, "Shake Your Tail Feathers" at the end. It's kind of the popular song that came out of it, the poppy song. Here we go. Come on, let me sing you your shake your tail, tail feather.
1: I love when they're doing the uh, when they're doing the karaoke and and fish out of water breaks out the glow stick.
2: Yes, and that's <laughs> hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that was some good stuff. So um,
2: come on, let me see you shake your tail feather. Come on, let me see. And then and then the dance, you know, because you have to shake your tail feather. It's kind of like a little butt wiggle.
1: A little butt wiggle. Oh, look at there. There you are with Chicken Little and uh, Abby Mallard. Mm Mm-hmm crazy.
2: I can't wear those shorts anymore. Me either. I got
1: that (laughs) (laughs) Me too
2: I actually don't wear that shirt anymore either. I do wear the shoes
1: Do they? Um, so when is this from?
2: This would let's see we took this I probably have a date on it on the picture in the album I'll go see if I can find it uh That's me and my friend, and we went on Lost Friends Day, and we met a bunch of people, not just them. Let's see. Who else did we meet that day? We met Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear. Oh, wow. We met um, Dr. Facilier and Louie from Princess and the Frog. We met Robin Hood, Friar Tuck, Prince John, and King and. King, what's his name? Or Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham. Mm-hmm. So we met a bunch of people that day. And let's see if I can, if there's a date on here. Like a date that I posted it. 2013. So September 4th of 2013 wow. with my friend Renee. Uh, Yeah. Pretty cool. I'll post the one with the Robin Hood guys too because that one's neat.
1: Because so not... those
2: guys are never out ever.
1: Sure. So, not long before we started Disney Vault Talk.
2: Mm-hmm. I was still, I and I still very much am, you know, from the pictures you've seen. I love meeting characters, so I meet every single character I absolutely can. Yes. Especially the ones that are rare.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, there was the Bolt situation a couple of weeks back. Oh, Bolt. There was, uh, we got to see Stitch and say hello. We didn't get a picture with him. Mm-hmm. but, but he's someone. always around is he really
2: yeah he's around all the time i just
1: feel like it's uh not. there when, you go now, you w-
2: can see robin hood um yeah that was that was fun it was fun to get to see all of those guys mm-hmm. and when in
1: 2013 was this september september so about eight months before we started up mm-hmm. this is when you had started putting the bug in my ear. hey let's do a disney podcast
2: and you can notice in September, it was still very hot.
1: <laughs> of course, Florida.
2: So, let's see. What are some all-I-know, far-for-fighting, one little slip?
1: Hey, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How did you know it was Lost Friends Day?
2: Uh, what, they had announced the different days that would be Lost Friends Day. Mm-hmm. And so, she was in town, and I was like, Hey, let's go to Magic Kingdom for Lost Friends Character Day. So okay. we went.
0: Cool.
2: Yeah, they they made some announcements. They haven't done any. They don't think they did any this year. Now they've started doing like the rare characters and stuff at events. Mm-hmm. So for instance, at the DVC event we went to when I got to meet Darkwing and um Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and
1: all that. Nice. Nice. Mhm. Um So let me see here before we get uh get on out of here. Um, cause it's time to, we gotta, we gotta shut her down. We've been going for a while because of all my antics in the early, or in the early outings of this, uh, of this episode. Um, the end of the world as we know it, that's when <laughs> that's, I mean, that was right on the nose as it started up as the, as the yeah. things were attacking them. Uh, his, his version of we are the champions was fun when he's singing, we are the champions after he hit his home run. But again, it just felt like, why is this in there? Why, why, why are we, why, why are we going through this? Um, staying alive. That's the thing I liked about run is that that he's saying, he was like, I'm going to
2: stay, no, I'm going to stay No, not staying alive. What was the one that he started saying? Oh, I will survive.
1: Well, yeah, but it was in the, uh, in the, when they were actually up on the UFO, he's singing staying alive to try to stay calm and then when he's driving the the fire truck, he's like, turn around. I promise we'll survive. He's like, I'll survive. And then he starts singing it. First, I was afraid I was petrified. And he gets into the whole thing. And, and uh, yeah, I liked him doing that because I could see me like in danger being like, all right, guys, let's just sing it. Let's sing our way through this.
2: <laughs> yep. Let's- you know, there was one time when he started singing a song. And I couldn't, I knew it was a song, but I couldn't place it. And it was just, he just was singing the lyrics. It was like, after Chicken Little, the second sky was falling, and he was sitting there, and he was saying, you know, that it was over or something, and he started quoting a song and singing it. Um. Oh, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was, I that, one, that made me laugh.
1: After they had... Uh... When when they were in his room and he was showing them the thing, or
2: no, 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 he was out in the grass in his backyard, like sitting on a box, mm-hmm. and his dad was taking all those phone calls and stuff. And mm-hmm. they came out of the like came around the corner and were trying to talk to him. And you know how um, run to the litter just kind of goes with whatever somebody says. Yes, he was saying he was saying something, and he started going off on a song. He didn't sing it; he right. just quoted the lyrics, just like saying them.
1: I don't remember that part. Huh. You
2: have to find it.
1: And so this was early on in the movie.
2: It was after the the alien when he told his dad about the aliens and the second time.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, that. Is had... Is that a penny? <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Turkey Lurkey was kind of funny. Um... Because he was clueless. That was the whole thing is, is he was just clueless. Um, But yeah, those, that whole town, I'm like you, they were all kind of mean. So, well, you got any more thoughts about, uh, about this? I I know we mentioned Patrick Warburton showing up as the alien police officer. And um,
2: that was just one of the highlights of the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm because I was <laughs> he had short hair instead of it coming to a tip. Oh, that was such a cute scene. The one with Chicken Little when when Kirby sneezes and he like tries to fluff him back down and yeah. then he has like a little curl that comes out and he like licks his hand and tries to stick it back.
1: Well, also um the uh the, the stuff he does at the beginning when he's trying to get to school, is pretty funny. And then at the end, when he uses his little comb to, like, you know, those wacky wall crawler things, like he sticks himself to the thing to kind of get himself up to the roof of the city hall there. Like, he's always doing, he did some cool stuff with stuff like that. Chicken Little, mm-hmm. I mean, in the movie. So, it's not all, look, we're not dogging the movie, guys. We're just saying it, it is what it is. Was there? They also used the the weird version of Ain't No Mountain High Enough.
2: Oh yeah, they did.
1: I used the Diana Ross version, oh, which is fun. It's just not the you know, it's not the Marvin Gaye version, which is. Uh, I like no the Mountain Marvin Gaye version better. Ain't no valley low, ain't no. I river. like the kind
2: from Remember the Titans.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. This was the Donna Ross version. Um, so yeah, I I mean I've I don't really I'm know
2: about- I'm just ready. Like we're let's just power through, man.
1: Mm-hmm. We
2: just need to power through like three three more. Yeah, and then we're golden.
1: Well, I will tell you this. What's next? Meet the Robinsons. Yes. Meet the Robinsons. As I recall, I hadn't seen it in years, but I did end up watching. Was actually pretty funny. It's actually. As I recall, a pretty good fun movie.
2: I've never seen it.
1: Um, oh, I love the T Rex, and you will. T- I think you'll love him. There too.
2: was nothing about the trailers for this one that even mm-hmm. remotely interested me. Sure. At all.
1: Sure. Well, then, what's after after that? What's after Meet the Bolt, Robinsons? Is I Bol- believe. Oh no, you got which love. I adore Bolt. I love Bolt.
2: I love I Bolt. love
1: Bolt. Yeah, yeah. And then we get into then is it Princess and the Frog?
2: Oh, I can't
1: wait. And Seriously. So yeah, I mean We
2: are almost golden.
1: Yeah, we're listen, we're there. We're there. So I think he, I think you're gonna be surprised by Meet the Robinsons.
2: Well, I hope so. Yeah. I but think, here's here's what I'm thinking. I've already told you this too. Mm-hmm. If we stay on the pace we are at, mm-hmm. it is very possible that by March we will have completed well, like beginning of March, we will have completed the numbered animated films, which leads us to the episode where we discuss what we're going to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. What are we what are we going to do when this is over? And I don't know uh, what you want to do. I, th- I don't know flat, what you want to do. Um, And I think we've kind of settled in. Maybe we'll we'll talk about when we get there. We got a few weeks, so we'll let you guys know what we're what the plans are um leaning toward pixar i think aren't we yeah yeah so but you never know that'll be fun times things might change might change our name so the next uh next disney vault talk we'll be looking at meet the robinsons we have uh one of our patreon supporters coming on to help us do that and um and that i think that'll be fun i think you'll be surprised at how much you enjoy that movie especially with uh i got this big head and these little bitty arms um and so with that, Teresa, how about letting people know how they can get in touch with us?
2: Yeah, you can find us. Well, I'm going to add this in here. We now have, as part of the Gulliver's, a brand new Facebook group. You can go to Geek Out Podcast. No, Geek Out Online. Sorry, wrong one. That's word. right. GeekOutOnline.com slash groups. It'll take you to the link on Facebook. And you can uh, request to join the group, which is Guardians of the Gulliver's. Let me just tell you guys where we are at as far as membership right now. We have 145 members as Guardians of the Gulliver's, and it is pretty active. People are posting all kinds of stuff, lots of conversation. I mean, this is going to be an amazing time, so go over there and join the group. You can email us at vaulttalk at gmail.com. That's two T's in the middle, vaulttalk at gmail.com. You can go and like our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Disney Vault Talk. You can find us on Twitter at Disney Vault Talk and Instagram. I am at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter and Instagram. Steve is at Steve Glosson. And please go make sure you follow at Golver's for all of your updates.
1: And all the Guliver shows. Indeed. If you want to support the shows, you can do so by using the Amazon links. With all those cool Amazon gift cards and all the gift cards you get for Christmas. Uh, before you head over there uh, to Amazon, go to geekoutonline.com or geekoutpodcast.com. Use the Amazon links to take it to Amazon, and all your shopping will throw back and help the Golaverse out. We also have Think Geek links and Entertainment Earth links uh, that you can use at those websites. If you want to support the shows directly, you can at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And we appreciate everyone's support there at those places. Stay tuned with us around the Goldiverse. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up, not only this week, but in the weeks to come. But for Disney Vault Talk, until next time, I'm Steve.
2: And I'm Teresa. May all your days be magical.
1: And all your wishes come true. We'll see you next time.
0: A tablespoon of one big mess A dash of overreaction I assume